the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. Representing Team Opposite is the lovely Ramon B., my producer. Howdy hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. Now, have you noticed the smog out there? Can you see it from where you're sitting? I don't know if it's smog more so than the uh, oh, construction smog. dust. Now that's smog. Is it smog? Because it goes all over the valley. When I was driving in, I'm coming yeah, from smog. on high down. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, the temperature inversion is what they call it. Really? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, that's pretty, high. That's high. Smart. That's follow the science, Ramon. I try. For goodness sakes. What high school did you graduate from, Ramon? That would be out in good old Bakersfield. And that's right. Ba- I forgot about that, yeah. Bakersfield. The, let's see. Uh, Merle Haggard. Yes. And Buck Owens. Buck Owens not born there, but he's pretty much... Uh, oh, he's, I thought he was born in Bakersfield. No, he's born in, I believe, Oklahoma. If I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. really? Yeah. In Oki. Yeah. Now, uh, I've met Buck Owens because he used to come into the uh, barbecue restaurant that I used to manage is that right that's right wait a minute you you managed a barbecue barbecue restaurant restaurant. really it's called hickory style barbecue and this was in the valley the best barbecue in the valley it was fantastic very nice (laughs) i was telling somebody today i catered uh the rolling stones concert really yeah so (laughs) mick jagger and the boys ate my ribs so i i uh this is back in like 1980-something, and I uh, had a uh, Ford Gran Torino. Are you familiar with the yes. Gran Torino? Mm-hmm. And so I loaded it up with the barbecue, which did stink up the car, we'll say. That's a good stink, though. And then I go down Scottsdale Road, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's going to be at ASU Stadium. So the night okay. before, I had gone to ASU Stadium, and it was all lit up, and like the smell of money was there building the sets and everything. It was it was unbelievable. So then I'm going to I'm going to deliver the ribs. So the, so then the next day, the guy that lined me up with it, you know, I, I'm saying, where am I supposed to go? He goes, you'll just you know, you'll get there. But I have to get down in the in the belly of the of the stadium. So I I. Scottsdale Road's blocked off. There's a motorcycle cop. So I park my car. I get out of the car. I go up to the motorcycle cop. I said, I have barbecue ribs that Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones are going to eat. So I somehow need to get backstage. He goes, you follow me. So he (laughs) takes me through a throng of people. (laughs) He's beeping a siren and we go back down underneath, park my car down backstage and then leave my car there through the end of the concert. And ask me if I remember any of that concert. You probably don't. I, I would really imagine don't. no. I mean, sadly, <laughs> I don't. 
but I, I'm sure I had a good time. Were you backstage? I, I was told, yeah. I was told by others that I had a good time. Well, there you go. It was one as of those long times. as you had a good time. This is the old days, you know. We're past that now. Now we start with what I like to call the headlines of the day. These are printed on paper, Ramon. I like that. It's real paper. Very old. School. Remember the old, old school. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Break dancing mm. will be in the 2024 Olympics. Did you hear about that? I, you know, I did not. See, this is an actual headline. Now, you and I are hoping for hopscotch and basket weaving. We're waiting patiently, aren't we? Full contact I'm, basket weaving. I am old enough to remember when the trend of break dancing began. Yeah. 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 We, I, I can't remember. Uh, that would be in the 70s, I think. Late 70s, early yeah. 80s. Uh, yeah. Um, I, did, I had a move or two back in the day. Oh, really? Yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> but at this point now. No, we're not going to do that now. No. I've seen you walk. It's not. You great. walked with a limp, and yes, I don't I think did. that was from breaking. That's just, just a cool guy limp, you know. No, I think there's more to that story. How just, did you get the limp? I would like to say it is actually from a breakdancing accident. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd go with a knife. Nice yeah, I'm not sure the spinning on my head is cooler. And uh, oh no, yeah, no breakdancing. No, accident. I spun on my head, but that was right after being hit by a car. Yeah. Is not good. Okay, so uh, today, now last week we talked a little bit about negotiating offers, but before you negotiate an offer, you'd have to do business with either a buyer or a seller. So I, I at the end of last week – has it been a whole week? Oh, it seems longer. Like, it seems like only yesterday, but it's been a whole week since last week. So uh, we, I think we were talking with Hans. Remember Hans, the guest? Yes, from Rancho Cucamonga. I remember that from Rancho cartoons Car- as a kid. Carson that, show. Cucamonga. No, I, I remember that from cartoons. The cartoons featured yeah, Rancho like Cucamonga. Bugs Bunny would say you know, something along the lines of we're going to, to Pasadena and Rancho Cucamonga. Now, if my daughter knew she lived in a town they made fun of in cartoons, I mean, my goodness, that's great. It's a brush with great. It's a fun. Really. It's a fun name a, to say. It is fun. It's like Walla Walla or Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. I have a friend who lives in Kalamazoo. Again, <laughs> John a- from Kalamazoo. <laughs> we should have him on the show. Now uh, he is a realtor. He could be on the show. So we had talked uh, two weeks ago about uh, closing the buyer for the in office appointment. So the the perfect steps in getting your uh, you know, buyer is getting them to come into the office. So they have to be willing to meet with me in the office. They got to be motivated. They have to have a time urgency. They got to be a pre-approved through my lender. They have to have signed the buyer broker agreement. We have to control the contingencies. They got to be willing to spend time looking at houses. All the decision makers have to be present. They have to be willing to tell me what it is they really are looking for and what's important to them. And then I have to like them. So we covered all that. So there's three ways to get them to come into my office. So the chances of me getting paid and them having a good outcome are greatly increased if I can get them to come into the office where I'm going to give the fearless agent buyer presentation, which ends in them signing the buyer broker agreement. All of that goes great. Uh, But how do you get them to do it? So we talked about one way using the special house um, uh, tactic, I guess you'd call it, that Floyd taught me, the, the famous Floyd Wickman. 
But then I uh, reached a point in my career, and I, I forget what happened, but uh, there was a day when I had absolutely uh, – these are the key words. Had it up to here. Repeat after me. Had it up to here. Had it up to here. Sick and tired. Sick and tired. Yeah, that was that kind of thing, you know. And, uh, it felt like we got a revival going there. It's right? a little bit like that. So uh, I said, if I never put one of these blankety-blank buyers in my car ever again, it'll be too soon. And I said, I am never showing another house. <laughs> I got rid of my lockbox key and bought a Corvette so they wouldn't fit in it so I couldn't relapse on buyers. So that was the best decision I ever made, and I just worked with sellers from then on. Now, my partner, she did work with buyers. So uh, I would refer the buyers to her, uh, and then if she was too busy, we would refer them to other agents in our office or even other offices if if that would be more appropriate. And then we would take a, either a 50% or a 30% or a 20% referral fee based on our up upfront um, uh, input with that buyer, so you might think of that if you're if you're leaning towards uh, sellers only, uh, and that idea appeals to you. You know, I had a um, coaching student of mine. He did a hundred, and he was on the show here, but he was talking about how he did 167 listings, just him and one assistant at seven percent, where he kept four and earned another eighty thousand dollars just on the buyer referral. Uh, stuff. So that's that's a good way to go. So uh, anyway, that's what I did. So then I would say uh, when buyer calls would come in off my signs or off of ads or the internet or something like that, I would I would say to the to the buyer, I'd say, you know, um, I am different than all other agents you will ever talk to. So please write this down. This is the I don't work with buyers technique. Okay. So uh, I'd say, so Mr. Buyer, um, uh, I, I want to let you know that I am different than all other agents in that I represent sellers only and I do not work with buyers. But because of that, I can be completely objective and give you some really great advice. Would you like me to? And they'd say, all of them would say yes. I'd say, well, there's two decisions that you're going to make that are going to determine the outcome of whether you are going to live in your very favorite house or your 15th favorite house, okay? So if you want to end up living in your favorite house instead of some other person living in your favorite house, these two decisions are going to be crucial. So number one, if you don't get to live in your favorite house, you won't have to wonder who screwed that up. It will be the lender, okay? The lender is who blows it on every deal, you know? And, and in um, 30 years of selling real estate or being in the real estate industry, I have met probably three lenders that I would trust with my own deal. So they're they're you know 99% of lenders are horrifyingly bad and and then the other decision you're going to make is who chooses that lender it should not be you it should be your real estate professional and by the way Mr. Buyer in the area that you happen to be interested in I happen to know the world's greatest agent on representing buyers would you like me to have her give you a call? And 
every time they would say yes. Never did they say, oh, no, we're working with an agent. She's wonderful. He's wonderful or anything like that. That never happened. They would say, oh, yes, I would like that. And I'd say, okay, her name is this. And, of course, it's my partner. She's calling them. She gets us. She gets them to use pre-approved through our lender. She brings them in. They, she does the fearless agent buyer presentation. They sign the buyer broker agreement. Uh, easy. So that's that's the uh, other one other way to go. And then um, the other way to get people in, uh, or another, yeah, another way to get people in is I had a uh, kind of. Uh, Cheap. It was the first neighborhood ever built in. So Scottsdale really never happened until 1950-ish, 52, 53. So there were no tract home neighborhoods. It was just farmhouses until then. So one-off. So builders, the first builder uh, neighborhood, E.L. Farmer was the uh, builder. They're still in business, I think. And they they built a neighborhood in 1953, a couple of neighborhoods. So it was, you know, two-bedroom, one-bath, three-bedroom, one-bath, 1,000-square-foot, no-covered parking or one-car carport, little tiny houses on these irrigated lots. And uh, so most of the people, by the time we're in the 1990s and stuff like that, people the people are by them tend to be investors, you know. So I – I get a call on uh, on my listing on 70th Street, one of those little houses, and the guy is talking to me. And I, I said, by the way, are you looking for a house to actually live in or are you somebody who wants to get rich by investing in real estate? So please write that down. Are, are you looking for a house to actually live in or are you somebody who wants to get rich by investing in real estate. So he said, actually, I'm looking for a house to actually live in. He goes, but I've thought about investing in real estate. And I said, well, you know, I have a uh, philosophy of investing in real estate that I think you'd be interested in perhaps. Uh, And what I do is I have you come into my office uh, I go through my philosophy with you. By the way, I don't have anything to sell you. Uh, you can leave your checkbook at home. Uh, it's just an idea uh, and you're either going to want to do it or not. You probably are. And then if you want to do it, you know, my hope is that you would want to do it with me, of course. But again, it's just an idea. So what do you say? Would you like to come in and see it? Well, almost everybody said yes to that. And I just happened to say that to this guy that time. So um, from then on, if I if somebody was calling and it was about one of my cheap investor type, you know, kind of the hood kind of a thing, maybe, um, then I would say, you know, are you are you looking for a house to actually live in, or are you somebody who wants to get rich by investing in real estate? So one day I've told this story before, but. Uh, the phone rings. This lady calls, and, and it's on the same neighborhood, same same street, actually. And I said, uh, "Are you looking for a house to actually live in, or are you somebody who wants to get rich by investing in real estate?" She goes, "She goes. Well, first of all, I am an investor. 
I am looking for a house to invest in. And number two, that is the best question any real estate agent has ever asked me. And I said, well, thank you very much. I said, uh, I hate to do this, but you kind of caught me at a bad time. Would you be offended if I called you back and talked to you about that property? You know, just uh, let me clean something up here and get get rid of that and then call you back. And she said, no, that'd be fine. I said, I said, uh, what's your phone number? She gives me her phone number. I said, what's your name? She goes, my name is Kim Kiyosaki. I said, are you the uh, wife of the best-selling author, Robert Kiyosaki? She goes, yes, I am. I go, well, I, my, my, my schedule just freed up. I got all the time in the world. Let's talk. You know, So that, that led to me being in their infomercial. And in that cash flow game they had, I was on the DVD movie that uh, playing myself and they filmed it in my in, in a listing of mine. Uh, so by asking the right question, that led to many other things. And then that guy that called uh, initially, where I kind of invented that with him, he ended up playing the buyer in that infomercial. So you see him there. So uh, having the real estate fearless agent, I should say, is about having the exact right words to say in every situation. So so then you get the buyer to come into the office. So what's going to happen, really the second secret, uh, is to control the buyer. Secret number one is to get them to come into the office. Secret number two with working with buyers is to control that in-office buyer appointment. So uh, there's really four steps to that. Number one is the introduction. Uh, number two is the preview of coming attractions. The introduction kind of lets them know what's at stake. Uh, the preview of coming attractions, like all the fearless agent presentations, is about making them feel comfortable with what's going to happen while you're meeting with them. And then number three is you're going to ask some questions that widen them out and make them th- th- making them think bigger, and that sells them on you. And then number four would be give the, the fearless agent buyer presentation. So uh, when they come into the office, you know, I, I would just sit down with them, get them a cup of coffee, and I'd say, you know, the, f- the first thing I want to do is just – Thank you for giving me the opportunity to meet with you. I really appreciate that. And um, and I want to let you know that I'm not here to um, sell you a house, but really just to show you how I do business completely differently than all other agents. And uh, one of the ways I'm different is I just take everything one step at a time. And the first step is just to see if you and what you're trying to do in your house buying process here and and what we do what I do if that's a if that's a good fit and by the way uh, I think you're f- maybe familiar with people trying to buy a house and not being able to go through with it and I and I use this as an example so I printed out this list of homes that had been on the market under contract and then fell out and went back to active so you could fake that or print it out, but I, I figured out a way to print out that off the Apple app. So this is a list of people that have two things in common. One is they they you know somehow got hooked up with a realtor. They went out, 
showing house, looking at houses, fell in love with a house, uh, reached an agreement with a seller, went under contract, and somewhere between that moment and them living in that house, the whole thing fell apart, and they were never able to actually live in that house or maybe any house. So they all have that in common. And then the second thing that I, they have in common is they chose to do business with an agent who allowed them to fail. And that's how that happened. So in my opinion, those, um, those buyers and those agents never should have agreed to do business in the first place. I think you'd agree with that. So what I've done is I've created a step-by-step process that if we follow it, it's going to absolutely guarantee you and I that we don't end up on a list like that. Can I share that with you? Yeah, okay. So the, the first thing I'm going to do is just ask you a bunch of questions about what you like, what you don't like. Uh, you know, this isn't about me and what I do, but about you and what you like and what you don't like. And then just kind of go through the one-stop shopping process. Everything you need is right here in this room. There's You don't need to go looking for trouble because you'll always find it. So every, every, every part of the home buying process is going to be able to be handled right here in this building. And then uh, – so it's a one-stop shopping extravaganza. And then I'll just talk a little bit about how we handle the sale. And then when you've, when you've purchased a house – that's the beginning to me. Uh, I am hoping that you're going to be so happy that you're going to be telling all of your friends and family from now on how great it was doing business with me and you send me referrals, of course. Uh, and then if you ever have any more real estate needs in the future, perhaps you get rich and we want you to invest in real estate to get even richer or something like that. So that's the follow-up part of it. And then uh, – you know, you'll have all the information today to to make a decision on whether whether uh, I'm the agent for you, and then uh, if so, then we can get you on a step by step process that's going to make sure you have a successful outcome. So I think if we do all those things in that order, there's no chance we end up on this fallout list over here. So then I'm going to ask them questions. So the questions. Uh, the way the number one complaint again of uh, buyers is they keep showing us things we don't like. Okay, and again, we're showing you what you can afford, so of course you don't like that. The number one complaint of agents about buyers is that it even rhymes. They say buyers are liars. Well, they really aren't. But the reason they say buyers are liars is, that, is they ask them a bunch of questions that narrow them down. They say, I want this, I want this, I want it to be here. And then they end up buying something off an open house that's way over there that is nothing like what they said they were looking for. And you think, oh, they're liars. Well, the truth is you didn't ask the questions right is, is the problem or we didn't ask the questions right. So widen them out. So – First of all, what's the maximum? Now, they've already been pre-approved through my lender. So I know what is the maximum down payment ability they have. I know what that is, the maximum cash they can put down if they had to or wanted to. I also know what is their maximum monthly payment that they are qualified for. 
So now I've got that information, but I'm asking the buyer, I'm saying, what's the maximum amount of cash that you would consider putting down, uh, you know, for the perfect house? And they say, oh, you know, 100000 uh, I'd say, okay. Well, let's say we find the perfect house, but it's way, way better than, you know, any other house but for whatever reason, in order to buy that particular house, maybe there's multiple offers and in order for you to not end up living in your 15th favorite house, you would have to put more cash down, like let's say 125. Would you or would you not want to hear about that house? And they'd say, oh, no, we could, we could do 125. Well, if it, what if it took 150? Well, no, I, I wouldn't do 150. Okay, so for the perfect house, would you do 135? Well, maybe 135. Okay, so now I've I've already bumped them up 135. That 35,000 extra makes – we're looking in different neighborhoods already. Now, what is the maximum monthly payment that you would want to pay? And they tell me what that is. And then I say, well, you know, let's say it's, you know, 2,700 a month, let's say. Now, I know they're qualified up to way over that maybe. But I say, so let's say, again, we find the perfect house. It's way, way better than any of the others. But it would take you know, 3000 a month. Would you even want to hear about it or should I keep it a secret from you? No, I would want to hear about it. OK, what if it, what if it took 3200 Well, I think that's pushing it. 3300 No. 3200 maybe maybe okay 3200 now i'm in a way way better different neighborhood so i'm not going to have to say buyers are liars they're going to be looking at the at the houses they really want first so the other thing i would do is i would i would take um two pieces of paper and i would say uh you know, the husband and wife are there. I'd take two pieces of paper. I'd lay them out and I'd say, now, when you're married, you don't agree on everything. So just write down the features, square footage, anything you can think of that you would like to see in your house. And uh, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee and just, you know, again, you don't have to agree. You know, it just it just helps me find the right house for you. So they write down their their list. And then I, I come back in the, in the conference room and I would say, OK, it looks like uh, I take the, the, the ladies, the wife's list. I go, OK, that looks good. Then I take the husband's list and I just go, wad that up, throw that away because you know none of that matters, right, Dave? <laughs> yes, that's right. So now Dave loves me because he understands and she, of course, loves me. And I go, no, I'm just kidding. And I, I straighten it out. You know, and I go, OK. So then I, I – I go through the list and I say, if you could live – if you had to live without one thing on that list, cross one thing off your list and then I'd have each of them do that. And then I'd say, now, if you had to live without one other thing on that list, cross that out. See, I'm widening them out. I'm do- not narrowing them down until we have nothing to look at. And I just keep doing that until I get to the absolute minimum standard for both of them. And then I say, OK, now let's talk about the area. So I'm going to talk north, south, east, west street boundaries. You would not want to live north of what street? So like by my house, 
It would be Shea Boulevard, okay? So they say, oh, we don't want to live next door to north of Shea Boulevard. I go, okay. Now, if I find the absolute perfect house, 10 times better than number two, but it's one block north of Shea, you don't want to hear about it or you do want to hear about it? Oh, no, we want to hear about it. Okay. Then I go a mile north of that. What if it was one block north of Cactus? For those of you tuning in from Arkansas, we have streets named Cactus and Dirt Pile, right? Stuff like that. Granite. Yeah. I lived by Coyote Pass. Coyote Pass. That's what I'm talking about. Roadrunner. <laughs> I have roadrunners in my my backyard, actually. So the uh, quail, quail run. Yeah. So so and then I find that max. So I'm widening them out that way, and then finally I get that all done. And then I said, now if we find the right house today. Would you buy it today? Now, some people are just going to say, well, yeah. Uh, If they say, oh, no, we'd have to think about it. I'd say, okay, then here's what we're not going to do today. We're not going to go looking at houses until you're ready and you've thought about it, okay? Because while you're thinking about it, there's an old saying that says, if you got to sleep on it, you ain't going to sleep in it. Okay, so if they if they say, well, I don't know uh, if we find the right house today, it's your favorite house. Would you buy it today? Yes. Okay. Did you bring your checkbook with you by any chance? They say no. Then I go. I guess we know which house we're going to see first. Yeah, your house. We're going to go get your checkbook. You need your checkbook and a quick draw holster because our goal is to beat every other buyer to your favorite house. And dilly-dallying around is not going to get that done. So, by the way, if any of the stuff we talk about here on the podcast makes any sense to you at all and you happen to be earning less selling real estate than you wish you were and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, go to fearlessagent.com. Watch our free webinar up on the banner on the right-hand side. You can then call me anytime at 480-385-8810. That's my cell phone. We'll see if you and what you're trying to do in your real estate career and what we do at Fearless Agent, if that would be a good fit. If it is, you'll get rich. If it's not, we'll admit that to each other, and I'm still happy to help you in any other ways I can. A couple of other ways we can help you is subscribe to fearlessagent.tv. That's our YouTube channel. Subscribe to this podcast at fearlessagentpodcast.com if you have not already. I would scroll back and listen to the oldest episodes first and work your way forward from episode one. They're in a more logical order that way. And then uh, if you are a real estate company owner and you happen to be recruiting fewer producing agents than you wish you were, and perhaps you'd like Fearless Agent to be your in-house training program like other companies around America do, uh, give me a call. Again, f- go to fearlessagentrecruiting.com. Watch my recruiting video there and then give me a call here at 480-385-8810. And until next week, I want you to do what we always do. Oh, give us a five-star review of our podcast, if you would, on any platform you're on. And until next week, please have fun. Always be humble. Most of all, be fearless. Thanks again. Three.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.